So you're just starting your day, or did you just get off? Oh, I don't know if I ever get off. They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a, like a chauffeur. You drive around important people. I guess I do. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. Well, aren't you mysterious? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> so when was the last time you hit the road just for fun? Yesterday. I'm jealous. Sometimes all I want to do is head west on 20 in a car I can't afford with a plan I don't have. Just me, my music, and the road. Hello, and welcome to Original Remake, the podcast where we discuss an original film and its remake. Well, not always, Mike. Sometimes we don't talk about a remake. Peter, that's the name of the show, Original Remake. Well, yeah, but what I meant was the remake featured on the show is a sequel, a a reboot, or unofficial retelling of the same story. So you're saying we're remaking the premise of this podcast? Yes, because just like Hollywood, on Original Remake, we are that unoriginal. Well, we are doing a movie podcast, Peter, so... Yeah. There's a hundred thousand streets in this city. You give me a time and a place, I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes and I'm yours. No matter what. Anything happens a minute either side of that and you're on your own. Do you understand? Good. And you won't be able to reach me on this phone again. I just sound perfect now. <laughs> Canadian accent, I'm going to fix it in the editing. I'm going to make you sound like a Kentucky guy. And oh, just, beautiful. Yeah. How about I just talk like you? Um, all right, my name is uh, Michael Dennison. Uh, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I don't know. I know. I'm it's a southern accent, but I'm trying to think. Of, it doesn't sound like a Kentucky accent. I was trying to play. It doesn't sound like a Kentucky accent. You, that's getting there. That's a little bit more. That's getting there. That's a little more. Yeah, a little that, it's a little. Yeah, that's a little. It's a little more. Subtle. A little better. Yeah. Okay, a lot you. of people go for like this, like Louisiana, Texas, like thing, which is a little. I think more broad. I think it's you know further south you get. Okay. Um, can we start the uh, episode? Uh, can I just start the episode by saying this? Um, <clears throat> Lone Star Barbecue Sauce. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the uh, what uh, our boy uh, Ansel tried to do with his, I guess, southern accent in Baby Driver, which kind of comes and goes. There was only one sequence where I really noticed. I'm like, wait, is he supposed to be a southerner? And then it's like, uh, of course, he's a character that doesn't talk much, so no. it kind of goes away. Um, yep. But joining us for this uh, this Drive Baby Driver episode uh, for whatever reason, we keep getting this kid from Canada to come back for car movies. You came on original remake for the Italian job. I did. And yes. I don't know. Are you a big car guy? What? Or is this just a coincidence that we invite you on for these type of films? Um, I think it's a coincidence in some ways, but um, I do love cars. I uh, like. I'm. I'm not. You know. I don't know as much about the engines. I want to learn more. You know. I want to learn more about what's inside a car rather than you know what's on the outside. Like you know, I'm one of those guys that when I look for a woman, you know, I, I look for. I think the inside is, or the inside is much more important than the outside, and I think that's what I should you know start to think about cars as well. So um, 
I, I, I do like cars, but I'm not like this like crazy car nut yet. Um, and I do like women, but uh, I'm not Both a crazy. Both are expensive <laughs> hobbies, so just warning you. Podcasting is cheaper. Podcasting um, is cheaper, good. But before we get into it, uh, if people missed out that Italian job episode, which was pretty funny, I thought. Uh, it was. And we, we Aaron Sorkin. Somehow Aaron Sorkin, uh, which has nothing to do with either Italian job film, was uh, a big talking point in that, that particular show. Uh, I don't think he's going to come up this time because I really doubt Aaron Sorkin has anything in common with either of these two films. But we'll see. Indeed. I don't know. You're a big fan. <laughs> Uh, but where uh, where can people check out your film criticism and uh, interact with you on social media before we before we get into these two reviews? Oh, thanks, Mike. Well, um, this uh, episode of uh, Original Remake is sponsored by Get Real Movies. Where's my check? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's it's in the mail uh, uh-huh. with yeah. all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still waiting on that. Still waiting on those sponsorships. Thanks. Um, Canada Mail is very slow. It should be there within the next five years. I promise. Oh, I plan um, to be dead by then with uh, American healthcare. That's 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 the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, people can uh, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Get Real Movies. It's G E T R E L M O V M O V I. Oh goodness, M O V I E S. I can't spell movies. That's not good. Um, and we have you and, on for a movie podcast. We've, we've, <laughs> we've lost all credibility now. Indeed. Um, and yeah, you guys can hit me up on there. Uh, we have a great team of uh, writers who um, just there's so much great content on our site now. And uh, podcasts has taken a little break because Mason and I have been busy uh, with uh, holidaying and uh, and work. But uh, we're going to get back on that horse and uh we're, we're a little like Mike, you know, we just occasionally take little breaks and then uh, come back um, even bigger and better. So, uh, and uh, you guys can check us out. We have some great interviews sometimes and uh, just uh, lots of good stuff. So uh, just go check us out, put in Google, get real movies, real with a double E, and uh, you will find us everywhere. Just a little inside baseball because I, I get a lot of shit on twitter uh for just taking like two months off without doing anything podcast related it never really affects my other show war machine versus warhorse because i think the title we just have such a broad spectrum of people uh looking for war content or horse related content uh, and so like our last month we didn't put up a show and it was our second best month of this year i have no idea so people will download more if i talk less is what i'm getting at but for original yeah. remake we took like six months off and we lost pretty much uh, all of our listeners. So, uh, this is the show I have to hustle more. Uh, Dan, that's why you're here. Uh, and yes, baby driver, this is something that, you know, film snobs, film nerds have been excited about. Edgar Wright himself is a big film nerd. I wouldn't call him a snob, but, no. um, also drive from 2011, which is, uh, it has been referenced. I mean, by Edgar Wright himself as an influence. He's a big fan. And he's also a big fan of like Tarantino, and you see that in Baby Driver with some of the the dialogue between the criminals. But uh, I wanted to have you on because on War Machine versus War Horse, uh, which you can go download because uh, you know I'm taking a break, so it's really popular now because I'm not talking on there. Go download old episode. We covered Drive a few months ago for the much maligned uh, Clyde movie, which no one saw with Nicholas Holt, and I referenced the fact on that show that you know Drive much like Fight Club, really appeals to younger men in particular. Um, yes. I mean, I'm not a young man like anymore. Like you and I. Well, maybe when Drive came out, I could consider myself youngish, but now I'm old and decrepit. Um, 
And I, I wondered because I, I was like, okay, let's get uh, you know someone who is a millennial, someone whose website kind of is geared towards the the younger viewpoint with your writers, you know. Thank you, um, sir. And that's something that you know that's something you're trying to do because for the most part, I think you would agree that uh, on film, Twitter, and podcasts, you generally have like thirty somethings talking about their love of film. Um, yeah. So, Baby Driver also kind of in that mold. I mean, the title itself, it's about a young guy and it's yeah, got B A B Y. Yeah, very cool music like Drive. Uh so is there something oh, yeah. is there something about to you the idea of like the getaway driver or just driving along listening to music that is going to appeal to like a young male demographic like Edgar Wright himself? Why is he going back to this this trope if you will? What what is your your take on that? Well, you know what? I got to be honest. I think, um, you know, we're talking about young men. And yes, I think this is the demographic that will, you know, be appealed mostly to this movie. But I think if you look at Baby Driver, at least it, it's appealed to like everyone, uh, women and men alike. And uh, and, you know, I, there's some strong female characters don't, who don't get enough screen time in Baby Driver, but they're still strong regardless. And it's I don't know what it is. It's I guess for me. Uh, listening to music and you know just driving a little fast it's just a it's just a great part of driving and you know i'm i've been driving two two and a bit two years and a bit now still haven't gotten a speeding ticket but i, I definitely speed so <laughs> <laughs> i definitely speed though i just i guess i know how to not get caught i'm a bit like baby you know um <laughs> well, and, is, uh, I, I think you're you're on something there is something about you know being young uh, especially that sort of in a car, that sort of reckless nature uh, of you mm-hmm. know going too fast or uh, that sort of thrill seeking that you probably don't see, especially in a film with, as I said, 30 something male characters. Now you might see it with, uh, I, I think like Jack Nicholson movies where it's like, he's so too old to give a shit. And he, you kind of go, you come back around to your young days, uh, in mm-hmm. the golden years. Uh, but the thing with both these films these characters are extremely controlled. Um, mm-hmm. Their emotions, they don't really allow people to see that. Now, the way Ryan Gosling plays it in Drive, you, he eventually does break bad, That's, uh, mm-hmm. usually in a very violent fashion. Yeah. Uh, but throughout the film of Baby Driver, you see a character who's mainly picked on by really hyper-masculine characters, older men, who are basically challenging his masculinity. And I thought it was... I thought it was sort of interesting that, you know, the hero, not only is his name Baby, which is not really that macho, uh, but he's our, he's our hero who doesn't really react to any of those, those taunts. It's almost like a new, new type of masculinity Edgar Wright's trying to, to prop up. And I don't know if that's because he's just a big dork. I mean, I think he's a proud <laughs> dork, but I, is, I, I think his, the way he's envisioning, uh, like a silent stoic character is not like a Clint Eastwood type. At all. No. I mean, the way we're introduced to Baby is him sort of being dancing in his car alone, like sort of spazzing out. And I mean, it's goofy. It's fun. Like, I think that's sadly, it's probably my favorite part of the movie is that opening sequence because it just kind of throws you off so much that this guy in sunglasses and gloves and getaway driver is just like doing his own version of La La Land and that opening sequence, having his own little sing along. Did that, did that work for you? Or do you, do you like the more Ryan Gosling type, you know, carrying around a hammer and beating people's face? <laughs> um, well, they're, they're two different things. And I, you know, I appreciate both portrayals. I gotta say, I, I, I appreciated Gosling's more. I thought it, you know, is like an Academy, um, 
Academy Award worthy performance, while Ansel Elgort is like fun, mm-hmm. just a fun performance. I, I do I do lip sync a lot in the car whenever I'm you know in the car. Like I never sing because I, I give that respect to the artist, and babies seem to do that as well. So I, did I give appreciate that respect that. to my own ears. I don't want to hear myself. So, <laughs> well, I took voice lessons for four years, so I'm not oh, as God, worried about God. that. Oh, you know what? Let's hear something right now. What What do you want to hear? I want to um, hear tequila. That's what. I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good song part of the movie. Uh, no, no, I, 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 I'm a deep voice guy, so I sing. You know, maybe some Sinatra. You know, I, I did love. Oh, uh, okay. I did, I did. I did love my way in um, in uh, the Kingsman, the Golden Circle trailer, and now await at last. I don't know the song lyrics unless I'm listening to it. Now I'm really embarrassed. Oh no, that wasn't bad though. Uh, you know, I, I understand um, that. And what is a man? What has he got? We I have just, to whisper. We could just stop the film criticism right now. We'll just you know. This will just be a karaoke podcast yeah. karaoke. I, I like it. I would, but I'd get in trouble. Like I said, I have to be quiet. I'm, I'm being a bad influence. Then I'm being you, like one of the like John Hamm or Jamie Fox. <laughs> more um, like Jamie Fox, I'd say. I'm saying you're more like bats than Buddy. <laughs> it's unfortunate because uh, I think uh, every every man of my ilk who's a huge uh, madman fan uh probably aspires to be john ham uh i did oh, read a funny God. quote uh from jamie fox uh the the first time he was on set with john ham he was just sort of standing off from the camera just like looking into like i guess you know ham's take or his side and he just said to the uh the operator uh that man is too handsome and he walked away <laughs> and i was like <laughs> yeah we we feel your pain jamie fox we all know this um <laughs> But I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I took um, just more of a direct comparison to the the two films, which is you know kind of what we we do here, along with show tunes. Now I like that; it's a new <laughs> new staple of the show. Um, I, I took issue with the uh, the villains, if you want to call them that, of Baby Driver. Mm. In that, you know, I did mention okay, so you know, Baby himself is constantly challenged uh, on these these various heists that we see throughout the film, and you have got kind of two sides of it. You have uh, Jamie Foxx, who's playing, uh, in my view, uh, like a Edward Norton, like sort of a '90s Edward Norton character, like someone, like a like a rap scallion, like he's someone who picks <laughs> at people. You know, he picks I until they breaks. When when I saw him at first, I thought he was going to be like, "Hey there, baby, my name is Motherfucker Jones." <laughs> like very cool, but in, no, I thought he was going to be horrible. The guy from Horrible Bosses again. <laughs> What was wrong with that guy? He was <laughs> nothing was wrong with that guy. He was goofy. He was crazy. But but then we get this guy who's just like like a sociopath who's trying he's to be tilt, funny but constantly. not funny. Yeah, he's he's constantly uh, you know ready to to throw down. Which uh, from a, a plot point you know point of view, it it works or it allows Edgar Wright to get us to the next action sequence because he's always the guy that's going to kind of start that fire. He's going to light that match. Um, but I, I didn't really understand it. Like, you know, John Hamm takes up for baby, but they're, you know, for two grown men, they're kind of awkwardly obsessed with like a teenage boy sitting in the back, <laughs> listening to, to music. And I'm just like, don't you have bigger things to worry about? Like, and I, the problem I have with it, it watching the film is I understand it if that's their introduction, but even after they know how skilled he is. Uh, they keep challenging him for some reason. And I'm just like, you know, he's good at his job. Like, would you stop like 
Stop freaking out mm. about the dude. I don't know. It'd be like the guy, like if you're playing pickup basketball and they've already seen you make like every shot, if they're still like yelling at you for taking a jumper, it's like, dude, I've, I'm doing everything correctly. Why are you on my ass? Like I didn't really understand that particular choice by Edgar Wright. And it's really different from Drive where uh, you have guys who clearly respect him like they don't talk a lot to him and they just kind of know he gets shit done like that opening sequence of drive is amazing (sighs) where you have the guys in the back who clearly don't really know him yet but they're not gonna like mess with his like zen focus like they just keep their mouth shut and for a poor baby i kept thinking like would you all just shut up and just let him work (laughs) like jesus i know i know that's I, i i do agree with that it's funny i think you know um in drive the two for like the two first sequences were probably the best of the movie like you know uh, arguably that elevator scene is probably one of the best as well like it's phenomenal it's but, one of the most uh, romantic scenes in all the film it is <laughs> that kiss it is, without a doubt. kicking someone's face in kicking their skull in. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely uh i'm sure your wife would love to hear that mike <laughs> I actually said that we one of our first dates was going to see Drive, and after we got well, the movie, I, I said that very thing. That's one of the most romantic things I've ever seen. And she's that like, moment was when she <laughs> fell in love with you. <laughs> I think I think she called into question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the other movie we saw like the next week, but I'm just assuming it made up for Drive. Uh, it was a little bit more of a rom com than Drive, but yeah. No, On that note, do you think the romance in Baby Driver works um, with the? No. Okay. Yeah, I wondered. Okay. Lily James, okay, yes, she's um, decent, like decent looking, and uh, she wasn't bad in the film, but just underutilized and kind of distracting. Like it, I, I honestly liked his relationship with uh, Joseph, like his adopted father, mm-hmm. more than I, <laughs> I did with uh, Lily James. Not to say that you know they weren't good together or something, but honestly, I thought that the relationship between um, buddy and uh buddy and what's her name um deborah De- no not De- deborah buddy is john ham oh darling his- buddy and darling. darling yes darling and buddy they were like ooh, i i like that and honestly i just want to say john ham's hair on point like that guy the only thing I didn't like was the uh, the neck tattoos. I didn't understand why every no, I didn't every either. single character had to have neck, neck tattoos, uh, which yeah. uh, calls in question why they are really that concerned about masks that they're wearing at some point. Because I'm like, well, you have identifying markers that are still exposed on your. I don't know. Did they not watch Raising Arizona? They needed a panty on their head. They like, didn't. They didn't. It goes all the way down to the neck. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with you. I think it's I think it's fine. I I did feel like watching Lily James her performance, I felt like I bet you there's a lot on the cutting room floor because mm-hmm. it did feel very slight. Um, you have the, the sequence and the, the laundromat, which I thought, I thought was going to be much longer. Like I thought, I thought we were going to have basically another musical number when they're sort of you know, tapping their feet and listening to music. Like I thought it was going to be like that first, uh, getaway sequence, mm-hmm. but that's, that's cut off. And then it's oddly mirrored with him and John Hamm doing the same thing. And him and Jamie Foxx, and it's strange. I felt like when John Hamm goes to listen to the other earbud, it felt strangely more intimate than when him and Lily James are doing the same thing. Like I felt that's like cause, that's because John Hamm is just so beautiful. It may be. Man. It may be my personal bias, but I felt like John Hamm was having more of a moment with him as far as like talking about this shared passion of music than him and Lily James. Him and L- Lily James, it felt fake 
it felt like two people who were just attracted to each other, but they could be talk they could be talking about checkers or brownies. <laughs> like it didn't matter that it was music, you know? It just was like, oh, okay, they're just two people who want to sleep with each other, which is fine. But it makes her becoming the damsel in distress a little bit harder to swallow, I think, later on. Mm-hmm. And I think that works perfectly in drive because Yeah. The Carrie Mulligan relationship with Ryan Gosling is really complicated. Like, I mean, they never actually really ever get to consummate anything like even when they begin to flirt you have uh her husband come back into the picture oscar isaac and it's this well it's this weird like threesome relationship where uh you know he he stands up for her husband or attempts to get him out of his sort of criminal dealings and Mm -hmm. once that happens uh the relationship is pretty much over between carrie mulligan because in the elevator sequence that we've already talked about he he exposes himself as like, yeah, <laughs> not a monster, goodness. but a guy who can do monstrous things, even if it's you know for good. And that's kind of yeah. it's kind of hard to unsee that and just no, go but, on a date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to ask my <laughs> wife how she unsaw my love for that sequence. I don't know. Maybe this possible. <laughs> um, well, the funny thing about like that threesome relationship, as you um, as very you very attractive it, threesome. Actually, Gary Mulligan's the least attractive of the three, I have to say, I know. as a straight that's, man. Yeah. That's surprising, yeah. <laughs> For me as a straight man, I would probably agree as well. But um, but that that kind of went went home with me because um, there's this girl uh, who I was really good friends with, uh, but I always liked her a lot. And um, and don't worry, there's no danger her listening to this podcast. We're all good. That's most <laughs> people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Once listening. I come on, the viewership goes up to like a billion, Mike. So uh, well, most have, people tell me that we have a big spike in Maine for some reason. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> no one gets that inside joke unless they've listened to War Machine versus Warhorse, Mike. Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to promote my other properties, my empire, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> but um, yeah, like she was dating a guy, or she is dating this guy still. Um, and I always, I never met him, but I always kind of like, you know, told her to like talk stuff out with him, even though like in, you know, my, in my brain, I was like, no, break up with him kind of a thing. But, uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of like Oscar Isaac almost goads, um, like Carrie Mulligan to like, you know, get with Ryan Gosling, but without saying anything, like it feels like a really weird relationship and, like almost like uh, Oscar Isaac's character has like uh, a thing for um, a thing for the driver uh, in a way. And uh, that that's a, that's an interesting undertone that I, I kind of got throughout the movie as well. Well, I think that's a, that's a good point in uh, comparing it to baby driver. Cause you know, I, I was lamenting the fact that everyone is just picking on baby as opposed to respecting his skill set, mm-hmm. uh, And even someone who's not seen the driver, like do his thing at that point. I do agree with you. There's something in the way that Oscar Isaac plays standard uh, as, as the husband that he knows there's something up with that guy, that that guy can handle himself or somehow, mm-hmm. somehow he'll be able to help him get out of this, this debt that he owes to these, these gangsters. And I, I do think it's a big issue I have with baby driver. Now to be fair, baby driver is obviously trying to be more comedic, uh, mm-hmm. And I think, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that Edgar Wright, I don't think he's as comfortable as clearly as Nicholas Winding Refn as having silences. I mean, that's something that has been no. 
Nicholas Winding Refn has been criticized from a lot of people with his films with Only God Forgives and uh, The Neon Demon last year that there are just long stretches of people just kind of vacantly staring. And I think Ryan Gosling personally loves that. I think as an actor, he likes having less dialogue to work with. It's just something that he's he's just good at. Yes, yeah. Baby Driver, though, not so much. Edgar Wright no. always wants someone talking. And and you do have people like Kevin Spacey who are very funny and very good, uh, especially with long pages of dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I did think that I don't know. Baby himself is just not. He's just not as charismatic when you're comparing these two films directly as the driver. No, uh, and that's weird because you know the driver's more creepy and more mm-hmm. um, like you know different. And that's the thing for me is I think for me, Baby Driver was built up incredibly, like like incredibly big. Like it had this crazy Rotten Tomatoes number. All the critics oh, the were hype from amazing. South by Southwest. And I mean, you, yes. you think it's the greatest film ever made based on I the, know. And yeah. and like I, I read a tweet. I read 13 tweets by Guillermo del Toro. And he's a director that I like supremely respect, like a fantastic director. And he's talking about how this movie will change cinema. And I'm sorry, Guillermo, I, I really don't agree with you there, man. Like, I, it's it's a good movie. It's it's really enjoyable. Uh, the music with the action, like, I haven't seen a movie that's done that though, so well, the way it syncs the action with the movie. It's fun. It's charismatic. You have a good time. But it will not change cinema. Drive, change cinema. Well, I mean, a, a I, I, did, I hate to bring it up again on war machine versus wars i i did a segment just earlier today on baby driver and the mm-hmm. guest was uh alice bishop so mm-hmm. I, I brought on uh someone from the uk to to defend her her countrymen there in edgar Wright. uh and she's not that really uh, surprisingly I, I guess i should research that more she's not really that big of a fan of, of his uh work mm-hmm. and she you know she posited that baby driver you know to counterpoint to del toro there is that it can't change cinema because it would not exist without drive drive came out that's the reason baby driver is here and i think that's i think that's a fair that's a fair point definitely yeah i I mean i i think there's room certainly for baby driver because as i said it's trying to be like a comedy version of it but i just kept looking at it thinking like man edgar wright is such a skilled visual director as you said syncing up the music uh, to the 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 set pieces that I I kind of wish that he would just do a, a flat out straightforward crime movie without having to be so ridiculous and over the top. And don't get me wrong, Drive can is ridiculous and over the top when you have someone smashing someone's skull in, in an elevator. But I thought like you can make cool movies. You could you could have made a a very cool film that did not have to have, as you said, motherfucker Jones at times, like sort of going nuts. Um, yeah. And, and I, John I, Hamm was definitely really different as well. And mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't mind him. I thought he was, he was, he was fun. It was kind of fun seeing him in a kind of almost the opposite um, or an oxymoron of uh, Don Draper. And I kind of liked that because it was different, mm-hmm. but you know, Edgar Wright, like yes, he's he's known for his comedy, and I, I I'm a huge fan of The World's End. It's something that I watch, you know, every every once in a while because I still enjoy it just as much as I did the first time, if not more. Um, and you know, Shaun of the Dead's good, Hot Fuzz is good. Like he's a very very talented director, but I do want to see him do something different. And um, yes, he's pushing his limits here, but I think he can go further. And I agree that he has to do something that's not comedic because. Um, like the thing is the comedy, it didn't hit as much here, 
And like, I feel bad for saying this because I still have such a fun time. And I think people, you know, who are listening to this right now, you know, I'm not shitting on this movie. You know, we're comparing it to Drive. Right. So like, you know, I think that's a really, really hard movie to live up to. Like it's it's my 20th favorite film of all time. Uh, and Baby Driver will not make it near that uh, near that spot. But it's still a supremely fun film. And it, you will definitely be downloading the soundtrack or if not buying it like it's a great great soundtrack and he just does a brilliant job editing it it's 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 absolutely fantastic with the editing when you think of it like you know as someone who recently just went through the struggles of learning how to edit on sony vegas pro <laughs> i uh, i i i'm i'm appreciating appreciating editing in a whole new way so uh, I, I do appreciate that. It's just I think that when you compare it to Drive, it, there's there's no way it's going to come close. Even even if it is a different film, there's no way. You mean you don't have a you can't knock out a Baby Driver next week? You don't think you can? You're you're up to that level yet? Your editing skill set to just pop one of these movies out? I mean, if I have a couple mil and. Um, <laughs> Some good cameras, um, and uh, I have some good actors. Sure, maybe I don't know. Uh, give me, give me a week of uh, three hours sleep each night, learning how to use this, and maybe, maybe. <laughs> I doubt it, though. <laughs> I think uh, one one of the issues I have uh, with Baby Driver compared to Drive is I think you know both of those films are are heavy heavily influenced by other movies, especially the 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 trope of the driver, the getaway driver, which has been in film for decades. But I feel like Nicholas Winning Refn, like Tarantino, he takes all that stuff and makes it his own more. And I think Edgar mm-hmm. Wright, he doesn't name check, but he definitely kind of points out his influences a little bit more. And at times that yeah, takes me out of the movie where I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I get that. But I kind of wish it just felt more like a part of the world as opposed to you kind of doing your greatest hits uh, version. Like a, He's like a great cover band in a way. Um, a really, really, really good cover. Band. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's a fun, it's a fun movie for the most part. I do think that it's strangely uh, slow because I, I watched Drive again this week, and Drive, while it's a far more still, uh, kind of cold film at times, it's not as slow. Yeah, it doesn't feel all. as slow. It, it feels like things move uh, faster, and it doesn't even have the extended uh, car sequences. I mean, it has uh, what two heists. That's it. One that's, one that's well, botched. Three, three, I guess. But yeah, one that's botched. But that was the really surprising thing. I thought it was going to be this like ultra fast film, and I don't know why, but it seems like like um, it, for me, I was looking at my top twenty films of all time, and two films in that are set ma- majorly in a car, and they're considered slow movies, but they feel like they go by so quickly, and that's Lock and uh, Drive. I thought you were going to say Riding in Cars with Boys with Drew Baymore. A classic, classic. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Mike. uh, I'm going to ignore that comment. (laughs) You didn't come Um, prepared to talk about that one? No, I did not. And I'd rather not. (laughs) You're just missing out on some good times. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I will will look. I will. I will tell my mom that. Okay, next uh, year for Mother's Day. It's a good Mother's Day uh, feature. Throw uh, throw that on in Psycho. Good double feature. You got there. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, I, think I, I just, just stopped you completely there. It was like Carmelo Anthony moment. I just like took the ball and just like ran out the clock, and then the play's over. It's time to now. You have to get back and play defense. 
Yeah, I'm just LeBron James staring uh, at the ceiling. Why am I with the Cleveland Cavaliers when the Golden State Warriors are so much better than us? Why do I, I have to carry this team? I refuse to, to acknowledge that as a Celtics fan. <laughs> Five years from now, the Celtics be champions again. Uh, speaking of which, are you? Uh, you're still. Uh, we're really just going to lose listeners here. What, what do you think uh, about Chris Paul leaving your uh, beloved Clippers? Well, you know, um, it was going to happen. Um, let's just hope LeBron changes his mind about the Clippers. Instead <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lakers, he goes to the Clippers. God, that'd be a miracle. Um, no, I. I don't know, man. Just. Uh, I don't want to do too much basketball talk because I know your listeners are here, obviously, for this beautiful movie talk. But uh, but you know who is a, also is a Clippers fan? Who? The driver from Drive. The first time so he goes to Staples Center, he puts on the, the Clippers cap. He's That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, that Ryan Gosling is a good man and the driver. They're both, uh, they're both good men. <laughs> I did feel like uh, wearing a Clippers cap in L.A. is not that inconspicuous, though. If he was wearing Lakers, that's a dime a dozen. But the Clippers cap, I would immediately arrest that person and be like, what? There are no Clippers fans here. That's crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, well, for me, it was really funny when I moved to Canada. Um, a couple of years later, I started getting into watching basketball. I played basketball before, but I started getting into watching basketball. And the Clippers were just kind of, I don't know, not that good a team. And I like going for the underdogs. And then they got Griffin. And then they got Paul. And they Lob started City. looking like yeah. Yeah, it started looking like a really fun team to watch as well. So, you know, I'm I'm not like I know a lot of people give me shit about the Clippers, but it's it's fine. And uh, yeah, now the driver uh, sports the Clippers as well. So uh, I'm I'm totally and 100 percent backed up because if you say anything about the Clippers, he will kick your face in and crush your skull. <laughs> I, d- I didn't see that. That must have been in the uh, the director's cut version where he's like, that a, was. like an insane sports fan. Like <laughs> people at Staples Center left and right. That was an alternate edition. That was uh, <laughs> like uh, that was the theatrical version that they made him almost put out. But then he like like uh, boycotted it and got his own version. It's like um, it's like what they made uh, Ridley Scott do with uh, uh, Blade Runner. And then, you know, the years later, he finally got to release his uh, proper version. <laughs> I, I, I never know. People ask me, you know, which version I like. And I'm like, I don't know. I've seen so many different cuts. I can't keep them straight anymore. Um, that yeah, does, no, that but, does bring some that, – that, there's an idea there that I'm getting us back on topic that I feel like – I do feel like Drive – Good job. <laughs> well, okay. Like you were, you know, going back to the Del Toro thing, I, I have a hard time seeing Baby Driver becoming some – iconic piece of film where people are going to reference like one particular scene or one sort of character. I think because uh, I mentioned the the tone being kind of all over the place in this kind of goofball mm-hmm. way. And yeah. I, I feel like drive, even if people saw it just one time, even maybe if they weren't a fan of it, I think that's something that would stick in their mind. I think they would, they would have a very clear idea of what that movie was about and what it felt like to watch it. Whereas mm-hmm. baby driver, I think, I really think people are going to pick out particular sequences that they like, but I don't know if they're being honest with themselves, if they're going to be like, oh, that whole movie is is a classic. Because I can do that. I can pick out that opening sequence or him getting coffee, and I find it to be really fun. That's what I remember. But as far as like the actual heist planning moments or the stuff with Lily James, I don't know if like five years from now I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that iconic conversation they had. That iconic the scene shop. in the laundromat yeah. where he was like – where she was like, oh, baby – you have such great songs, baby. 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, I just I don't see it, and it, maybe it's because uh, you know Drive does like a Scorsese thing uh, with its mm. music, uh, which. They do once with Baby Driver. They have a song that ties into his mom, which I, I hated that bit of melodrama. Like that's one major thing. I love that with the driver, we don't really know anything about him other than what Brian Cranston says. And you get mm. the idea that even he doesn't really know that much about him. It's just like he knows like the last two years of his life, but not like I think he even says like he just walked into his garage one day. So it's like yeah. it's uh it's like the Joker or something. He just kind of appears. Um but you know, the drive they they repeat songs multiple times. And I kind of like Scorsese catches a lot of hell for that, but I feel like that makes the film more iconic because it's like, it has like this sort of through line with its music and this mood that it puts out there that it keeps like going back to. And baby driver is, I mean, they're trying to sell a soundtrack, but by God, it's all over the place. As far as the mixtapes that man has, I'm just saying what I'm saying. That's a long way of saying, I prefer the driver listening to the same shit over and over again to get him in the, the killing mood as opposed to baby who has a mixtape for like every, every single second. Yeah. Every single second. Yeah. No, that was one of the things like, I just think when I'm, when I'm driving and I have to get somewhere, I have one song or two songs or like, you know, like I have a playlist, I have different playlists for different moods. Like when I'm really, you know, sad or depressed, you know, I'll put on some, I'll probably, I'll probably put on the drive soundtrack or some of the songs. But everyone's the got that, they've got like that one song they're really burning out at the time. Yeah. Like one that you, you know, it, maybe not when other people were in the car with you, but that you're like, you're playing on repeat and you kind of know it's stupid to be like, I've listened to this five times in this one yeah. car ride, but you're just, and I do, I think it's a little, you know, it's a little hipster douche from Baby Driver to have this, like, uh, I don't know, this high fidelity, like, mixtape, like, that it's like she changes up constantly. I don't know. I just was like, Yeah, it is a bit. No, and I, that's the thing for me is that I think Baby Driver will become maybe a cult classic, but it won't become a classic like Drive. And, you know, I was reading a review by Pete Bradshaw from uh, The Guardian in England, and he gave it a five out of five. But it seemed like he was trying to convince himself that it was a five out of five rather than like it actually was a five well, out of five. There, I mean, there's a reason, uh, in, especially with a summer film with all of these, these like sort of failed, uh, rightfully so failed sort of franchise movies that are coming in under box office projections. I mean, Transformers uh, <laughs> basically tanked in the States. I mean, I think it's doing well internationally, but uh, I think there is a rejection of sequels where especially in the film community – uh, people are really wanting to embrace Baby Driver, which is strange because it's not like it's a really unique original concept as far as the the getaway driver. And I mean, you and I have talked about, I mean, with Drive, you even have you have the you know the woman that he meets that kind of like pushes him to do dangerous things. Like mm. both that happens in both. Uh, you have like yeah. the the gangsters that sort of turn on Baby at different times. And I just want to say that Albert Brooks wins hands down with like. Oh. Bloody baby driver. Um, but by I, a thousand miles, my friend, by a thousand miles. But I understand why people would want to go back to bat for this film because, you know, it's going, coming after Transformers before Spider-Man movie. So especially in the critical community, you're going to want to raise this up and be like, please, God, see something that's not a franchise, see something new and original. But I agree with you. It does feel like at times you're really like the stuff I'm reading is bending over backwards to kind of ignore deficiencies that would be in franchise films. So it's like, I'm yeah. a guy who hates Marvel. You know, I don't hate Marvel movies, but I kind of hate 
the idea of it. I hate the idea, and I more than Marvel movies themselves, I hate that other companies are trying to do their own version of Marvel movies where everything is going to be some sort of, you know, you're going to have these monster movies that now are cinematic universe. Like, I'm, I'm sick of cinematic universes. Just let Marvel do its thing, and then you do your own thing. Uh, so I understand it, but I, I'm still not just going to trick myself into saying Baby Driver is awesome if I thought it was fine to bad. <laughs> yes, no, but that's the thing is I really I, – I'm, I'm glad you and I talked because we seem like we're the only two people in the world who are like like – lukewarm on baby driver like yeah we had fun time with it but you know it's not it's not amazing let me tell you what's weirder as i did two podcasts this is like one i've done today on baby driver on both my shows and somehow without knowing ahead of time i found the two other people besides myself are lukewarm because alice was the same actually she was far more negative on baby driver than what we've been Mm -hmm. but um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, if people enjoy it. That's cool. I think at times it is really Oh fun. yeah. Great job. Like, you know, obviously like Edgar Wright did a good job. He worked hard on this and I have a lot of respect for him as a director. And like, personally, I think I've started liking Ben Wheatley just a little more. Maybe that's because Edgar know. Wright hasn't done anything in a while. You know how I feel uh, about Ben Wheatley. I just, I know. Well, we won't get into that, but, uh, <laughs> like, you know, Edgar Wright, you know, I, I understand he has his creative to creative vision and stuff like that. And like, you know, he says he'll never watch Ant-Man. Well, sorry, Edgar Wright, but I enjoyed <laughs> Ant-Man more than I enjoyed Baby Driver. <laughs> and I know that sounds that like I'm not trying to be a dick or anything like that, but like Peyton Reed did a better job. And that was like a Marvel movie. Like that felt more original From than the, this uh, movie. The auteur of Down With Love with <laughs> Renee Zellweger. <laughs> does a better heist movie um, he did though but like i, I did you see ant-man like i thought I, ant-man I, was fine i i, well, I, I didn't I thought think it, it was, was more uh, fun i thought it was more fun than baby driver my like, biggest uh, issue with ant-man is i just didn't think it was funny enough that was says better i thought but i'll say this uh strangely i was i was lukewarm on ant-man uh, but I thought he was by far uh, the best thing about Civil War. Like Ant Man yeah. in Civil War, I finally like got the character, and I think it's Orange because slices. <laughs> I think it's well. I think having someone that is like you know the comedic sidekick works better as the sidekick than the lead for me. Like him interacting with other superheroes or like who are like super deadly serious about what's going on, like Captain America. <laughs> I'm like I'd rather hang out with Ant Man. And Spider Man was great in that film too. I'm not even a big Spider-Man fan, so I don't know. I I had a different take on Civil War where I was like, and you know what? I even said the same thing about Baby Driver where I think Baby would have, could have been an iconic character if he's just not the damn lead. If he's like one of the secondary characters, I think people would have been like, hey, that quiet guy in the back is awesome. But I know if they had made that movie about John Hamm's character, um, I feel like it would have been, no, but that's the thing. He could have been an iconic character, but then Baby could have been as well. And like, I honestly was more interested in the story about the Wall Street broker who uh, who got into some bad deals and then uh, divorced his wife and then somehow found this very attractive uh, woman and did crazy things with her. And she might or might not have been a stripper before. <laughs> yeah, like that story. Like honestly, that story was uh, brought me in more than uh, <laughs> that story brought me in more than than the whole movie of Baby Driver. <laughs> That's uh that's difficult when you're you're hanging your hat. Well, I mean it's the, the title of the movie. Um I I guess it's just less is more with Drive. I mean we don't really we don't really know uh him. We just know that uh he's not someone to be trifled with, really. And yeah. he'll sort of go to the mattresses uh for that. I don't know if yes. baby's the hey, same. Hey Godfather reference. Yeah, there we Good go. job, my friend. Well, I w- I was thinking more you've got male reference. 
It's a uh, yes. You've got mail Tom and Hanks, Godfather. Tom Hanks quotes, but I th- I believe, uh, and I can turn in my film snob card. I believe I've seen You've Got Mail more than The Godfather. Actually, I'm pretty I, sure. I, I, I have too. This I, Christmas, um, I watched it twice. So I know it's such a great movie. Like in terms of like, if if someone if if I'm hanging out with a girl and they say, "Can we watch a rom com?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure." Excellent choice. Put on You've Got Mail. <laughs> I've actually asked Peter if we can uh, do that and uh, the the shop around the corner, the original for this podcast, and he's against it. Uh, so maybe me and you can do that around. Well, Christmas I will time. join you. Okay, can I, good. Can I replace him uh, as your co-host? Because I, I think that uh, I, I think I can. I think I can do a good job, Mike. I promise. Well, he does all the social media stuff because I'm too lazy, and let me tell you, that's worth its weight in gold. Because if okay. I don't have to tweet or Instagram. Uh, you're irreplaceable. So Peter's a godsend to me. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Peter is great. I like, I, um, I got to do another, or, you know, Mason, and I have to do another episode with him because he's like one of the most entertaining guys. But like when, when, like when you first like meet him, you think that he's like ultra serious, but then he's like the funniest guy. One of the funniest guys you'll talk to is pretty good. So he is, uh, he is my idea of what baby should have been baby driver yeah. he's the the quiet guy that uh becomes iconic the, yeah uh, guys so um you know what i think honestly they should have cast peter as baby that that would have i'm not yeah. arguing with that at all no peter and i would have uh, been if cast you, if as you, john ham's girlfriend yes of course <laughs> <laughs> uh could i be his like uh side chick <laughs> <laughs> just, we just roll up together. <laughs> uh, Peter's um, driving, of course. That you know, that, course. you've actually segued into the final segment of the show, which is uh, you know remaking this a third time. Which, as much as we both love Peter, I don't know if uh, he has any box office street cred yet, having never no, been no. in a film that I'm aware of. So, if you uh, if you had to do yet another version of a film about a getaway driver. What's, you know, what is, what is the path forward that you can separate yourself from drive and now baby driver and have yet another take on this, this story? Like who do you cast? Who's a filmmaker? Do you want, do you want Del Toro to try his at it since it changed cinema forever? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say I uh, put myself as director, but I think that probably wouldn't be a smart idea. You as the director and Peter as the driver, you, uh, you were going for a very low budget, <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, no, for a director, um, I know this sounds a little, uh, little out there, but um, I want to put Patty Jenkins. I got to be honest. I big Wonder Woman um, fan, huh? Well, yeah, Wonder Woman was a great film, the way she did it, but the action she handled really well, and it mm-hmm. felt really intimate as well. So I'd be really interested to see what she did. And um, in terms of getaway driver, I'd love to see a woman getaway driver because that's something we've never seen I, as far as I remember or at least really well done where it lives on. And I'd say, you know, obviously, you know, a getaway driver, you could you, you could say Furiosa <laughs> is the best getaway driver we've ever seen in cinematic history. Um, but I'd love to see someone uh, like Ali Spraga, um, who's a fantastic actress or um, – I think, you know, someone that could, like, even the girl uh, who plays Darling in, I, I can't remember her name, um, in, uh, in, in Baby Driver, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Iza Gonzalez. Like, I really, really liked her. I, I would have liked to have gotten to know more about her. And that's why I wish it was, like, John Hamm as the main character and about being about it being about him. And, I mean, you know, Buddy. Buddy Driver, that wouldn't have been a bad title either. 
<laughs> but um, buddy driver. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys, you just gave me an idea for mine because I was going to go with uh, Sarah Polly, who I love, uh, write, direct, and star uh, as some sort of uh, uh, since you know the only way to be successful now is a cinematic universe, some sort of. 20 years after the fact sequel to go where she's still dealing drugs and like <laughs> driving across the border or something, or in, you know, maybe this time she goes to Vegas, but I think with the name buddy driver, it's going to be a, a direct to video, I guess, direct to iTunes sequel, uh, a crossover with baby driver and the Airbud universe where we have <laughs> golden retriever as the dog and you have John Hamm and Jamie Foxx giving this dog shit, trying to pick on him, trying to figure out how he is this awesome driver. And it would be great. I would purchase that for at least three ninety nine. I think that's worth a rental. What do you think? Buddy driver? Love Air it. Bud, uh, Cinematic I love universe? It. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Talking about Sarah Polly though, your idea. Um, I was going to mention one more actress who's worked with Sarah Polly quite a bit, and that's Sarah Gedal. Um, she's a Canadian actress. Uh, she's been in quite a few shows. She was also in Indignation, um, and she's going to be in uh, Alias Grace, Sarah Polly's uh, TV series. Um, but uh, she's she's like for me, she's a lot like the female version of Ryan Gosling. She can just really pull you in with not a lot of words. And um, I'd love to see, like, I, you know, that's that's an idea I've always tingled with is making, like, a female getaway driver movie. So maybe maybe I am fascinated with cars. I need to start reading those car magazines or something. But uh, <laughs> It's going to be but, a different uh, culture for you there. You're going to have to uh, constantly, well, constantly have, like, you know, grease on your arms. You're going to have to be, like, on a farmland with the, uh, the hood up constantly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I hire Megan Fox to do all the engine work, though? <laughs> I mean, you know, she seemed very skilled in those Transformers movies. Seems like, hey, like she, that she was, was uh, which you guys should definitely go see this weekend. <laughs> the new Transformers. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, we're really turning in our uh, film Twitter cards by suggesting that, like, Baby Driver Pass, Transformers Five, or whatever it is. Sure. <laughs> uh that's a joke guys uh go see baby Maybe? driver instead of transformers <laughs> i don't know i haven't seen the new transformers but <laughs> yeah uh but yeah that would be my pitch i'd love to see patty jenkins or um or aaron sorkin <laughs> aaron sorkin will write my uh buddy driver Airbud crossover <laughs> That'd be great. You um, know, at least in my version, it makes sense why the driver doesn't talk because he's a fucking dog. <laughs> that does make sense. What type of dog would he be, though? That's my question. A Catahoula leopard hound. <laughs> that's my dog. Okay, good. I like it. Um, the Bayou from Louisiana. <laughs> a swamp dog. Jeez. With a, oh a neck tattoo of spots. That was... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I say one thing about Drive before I forget? Um, I want to do a shameless cross promotion, but I got to interview the writer of Drive, who I had like an absolutely awesome conversation with for like half an hour. He's done some other movies too, but like I mostly want to talk to him about Drive. And um, it was really interesting. He told me how Nicholas Winding Refn like allowed uh, Hossein Amini, who was the writer, to like live with him for a few weeks while they were like uh, shooting and like, like, uh, like all the writers, I mean, all the actors would come up to Hussein and like, you know, say, Oh, this certain thing. And I kind of like that idea where 
this doesn't happen on, on many films, but where um, actors can like have good relationships with the writers and um, just kind of, you know, uh, put ideas by them and stuff because usually directors are very protective of their actors and don't want to ever share them with the writers. And I think that's something you can see in drive is that that's why it works so well is because it's just a whole, like, <laughs> I know this sounds really corny, but like team effort. <laughs> Well, yeah, even I, I, I don't know if it was on the, the Blu-ray or if it was just an interview that I read or, or watched in some other capacity, but I, I remember Nicholas Winning Raffin, uh, really crediting Oscar Isaac because he said that character, they didn't really know how they're going to handle it. They just knew, you know, the husband come back from prison. He was a, he was a plot point and they say he really brought and they, they took in a lot of his insight into what would make that guy tick and they made him a more three dimensional character. Uh, based on Oscar Isaac saying, "Hey, you know this character is kind of, you know, kind of a blank slate. What if we tried this?" And he was very and, receptive yeah. to that. And, and it's Ron Perlman as well, too. Oh yeah, he he had very, I mean, he had a very specific, funny take uh, on that with his uh, Jewish gangster who always wanted to be Italian, uh, which is <laughs> you know that could be played so broad, but yeah, in that world, I mean, it does make sense as far as like kind of what far more so than in baby driver. I don't really know what makes Jamie Foxx tick, but you kind of can see that guy's insecurity and why he carries himself the way he does and makes kind of rash business decisions. Cause he's like trying to prove himself still as an older man. He's still kind as, of that kid yeah. getting picked on as uh, an older guy. And Jose Namini was talking about that. And the uh, character that Ron Perlman plays was really, really like very small part in the book. Like, tiny mm-hmm. and ron perlman just went up to hossein and said hey I, I want i want to i want to work on this part i think this character can really add a lot to the movie mm-hmm. and that's the sort of thing like that's the thing is i wonder with baby driver did any of the actors ever have any suggestions like the only one who i could see having suggestions is the awesome handsome brilliant smart intelligent john ham and I think he was the only one that was a part of the original uh, casting from what I read. He was the only one that was yeah. at the original table read. So um, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe John Hamm has some, some power. He gives that Don Draper stare and everyone, Edgar Wright just crumples. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Drive, I, I, I think, you know, Nicholas Winning Refn gets, he gets a lot of comparisons to like, you know, some like Kubrick as far as I think it's because of how still a lot of his setups are where it just makes mm. people uncomfortable. So he does, at least with the material, you would think he was a very cold guy, but everything I read from actors, they say that like with the neon demon, like the, like almost the entire third act was like sort of written by the actors. Like, what if we did this? Like he didn't really have a particular ending in, in mind, which if you're a hater of his, you're like, well, see, that proves it. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, but I, I do agree with you. And, you know, go check out that episode. It's, it's really, really interesting and we'll, we'll get you out of here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, everything I've heard you know, from your podcast and other interviews is that he's a very collaborative filmmaker. Um, but. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing I love is like uh, I have to see the Neon Demon, and I'm watching what? Only God Forgives oh soon. I know, oh, I know, I'm really disappointed in myself, but I'm disappointed um, in you. That's why you can't replace Peter. I'm sorry, man. I say that and I don't know if Peter has watched those two films. I'll have to get with Peter and see. <laughs> I'm sorry, mentor. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Uh, but um, for but me, where, it's... Uh, but back to your your episode. Where can you know? Once again, where can people find that? Because I really think they should. That's that's a really cool get to be able to talk to that guy. So point people. No, yeah, it was again. it was really cool because um, I reached out to his uh, agent, and I guess no one had really reached out to him since like 2011 when he wrote uh, and directed the. Uh, uh, tales of january or two tales of january 
Oh shit, man, that's bad. That I don't remember what it was called. It was the Vigo Mortensen, the, oh, two, the faces two faces of Jen. That was a good yes. movie. Uh, Jeez, that was a great movie, yeah. and that was his directorial debut, and he did a great, uh, fantastic job. And I did remember it. It just took me a second. Um, but uh, it, it was really interesting because I just approached his agent and uh, he had a couple stuff, a couple movies coming out um, like that he's written in the next year or two. Uh, and he was developing a movie with um, Kari Fukunaga about Hiroshima, which sounded really interesting. And then he's also just finished writing The Alienist, a couple of episodes of that, which looks which is a fantastic book and looks like it'll be a great show. But, um, yeah, just reached out to him. And you guys can find that on Google Play and iTunes uh, on the Get Real Movies podcast. And if you just look us up. And, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty much all around. Uh, I think I might, you know, kind of uh, put it up again on uh, Facebook and uh, and uh, and uh, Twitter just because we did this episode on Drive. And uh, it's kind of a nice companion. So I'll send you a link. And send you me can a link, and I'll put it in the show notes. That way, put it in the show notes if you want. Just click on it. Yeah, people can look at that. But, uh, yeah, definitely listen to that because he's, he's probably one of the – I talked to quite a few um, writers and directors trying to learn more, but he's, he's one of the most intelligent guys. And he's, like, you know, just just a fantastic writer. If you look at, like, the movies he's written, it's uh, it's – it's crazy that he hasn't written more. It's, so you're saying everyone else sucks. That's what you're saying on the record. Everyone else you've ever talked to in life sucks. <laughs> no, ass. not everyone else. I just say that he's one of the better ones I've talked to. And, you know, I've gone to TIFF three years in a row. So I've talked to and some pretty interesting people. <laughs> yeah, I met, uh, I remember I met that uh, actress from uh, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. <laughs> and, said all, and said all my podcasting friends hated your movie. <laughs> Very, uh, I, I thought Canadians it, were supposed to be polite. What, what is with you, Daniel? What is, I know it's a bad influence from us. I know, uh, but I just, here. I know. I just can't believe. I'm just thinking back, and I just can't believe that I said that all my friends hated it, and I used to like it. I can't either. If I'd been staying there with you, I'd been like, "Please, you're overstating things." Even though I, I hated the film, I would have been nice <laughs> to meet you. I look forward to your future work. I just see. I would have avoided talking about that. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, but um, yeah, definitely uh, check that out. And, uh, you know, if you guys have any thoughts about how bad I was at interviewing, just uh, let me know. And I always love hearing uh, thoughts and critiques from people. I think they're going to say you're incredibly rude now to little, you know, uh, actors from uh, she was, Sundance she was, Festival. She was winners. my age. Oh, so it's fair. All right. It's, it's a peer. It's <laughs> All right, that's uh that was uh Dan uh from Get Raw Movies and he's proving once again that Canadians can be uh, incredibly rude. Uh <laughs> Thanks, Unless man. unless you write Drive and then you earn his respect. So if you've got something as good as Drive uh, you're all good with Dan, which isn't a, that's not a bad standard to have. That's that's an excellent film. So, thank you. Uh, thank yeah. Thanks for coming on uh, talking to us. I'm actually surprised. I thought for sure you were going to get mad at me for not being uh, very high on Baby Driver, not thinking it's the greatest thing in the world. So I don't know. I don't know what's in the water. Uh, somehow Kentucky and Canada have the same streams running through here where we just we just were not not as into it, but. No, I love how you um, how you like said in your message to me uh, how I said I hadn't seen Baby Driver yet and I was seeing it tonight and you're like, whoa, you haven't seen this yet? I thought that would be a movie you'd be on straight away. I did. I thought I was like, you know, this is a, this looks like a, a Dan movie. Uh, so I was I was surprised because I whoa, thought, whoa, 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 what's a Dan movie? 
What's a damn? Well, I mean, okay, you know, it's uh, it's got you know, based on the trailer or whatever thing, and I, I didn't even really know your uh, feelings on Edgar Wright, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it uh, it looks cool, it looks fun, you know, it's like Peyton so, reads better. You know what? I'm just gonna end the show there because I, I don't know if you can get a uh, better hot take than that. Peyton Reed is uh, more of an auteur than Edgar Wright. That was that was uh, Dan, our friend from up north. That was another joke. <laughs> I'm definitely cutting that part out. <laughs> All right. Thank you for uh, putting up with uh, our very hateful Canadian guests. I don't know how we got one. Dan from Get Real Movies joining Original Remake again. As I mentioned, he was on previously for our Italian job episode. So check that out. And uh, also make sure to check out his show, Get Real Movies, for uh, interviews with filmmakers. As you see, I'm relegated to interviewing someone who has interviewed filmmakers and uh, apparently hassled uh, film actresses. So, what will we do to top that? Uh, Peter will be up next, and he will be discussing the previous two incarnations of Spider-Man, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe version and Homecoming that just released, but Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. That'll be our next episode as we have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man being compared, discussed. Hopefully not too much hate there. A lot of hate on the internet for the Amazing series, but I actually like it. So it's probably best that I'm not going to be on that episode to anger the internet uh, masses again after disliking Baby Driver and liking Amazing Spider-Man. If you want to keep up with what we've got uh, up ahead on our release schedule, you can actually contribute to that. You could uh, you know, program the show. Send us an email at originalremakepod at gmail.com or uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at originalremake and uh, give us some ideas. It doesn't have to be a pure remake as you listen to with this episode. Just looking at the trope of the getaway driver. So we're, we're open to some fun combinations and, uh, you know, just do the thinking for us. You can also interact with uh, myself and Peter. I am at War Machine Horse. I host another movie podcast called War Machine vs. War Horse, which is on followingfilms.com. And uh, Peter is at Podstalgic, where you can find that show on coretemparts.com alongside Get Real Movies. I don't know if you've heard about that one yet. <laughs>